Hello and welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and we're so glad that you're here. We use our mojo to really become greater leaders. Now, let's get started by listening to something good. If you're a leader with managers reporting to you, I want to ask you a few questions to ask yourself. Does your leadership team work seamlessly together? Are they focused and organized? Do they function well or fight each other? Do they communicate effectively or are they cloaked with confusion? Do they make decisions efficiently and effectively? Are they hiring, training, and keeping the best talent? If someone leaves, do you have an A player waiting on the bench? Well, if you can't answer yes to all the above, then perhaps I can help you and your team. I help leadership teams work together harmoniously and achieve greater business results. If you want a a free assessment and a discussion, just email me, steve at managermojo.com. Tell me you'd like to, to chat for a little bit and we'll schedule a call. Thank you. That's steve at managermojo.com. Hello and welcome everyone to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and we have a special guest today that I'm pleased to introduce. My special guest is Mr. Adam Markell. Now uh, Adam is a multi uh, best-selling author. He's author of numerous books including Pivot, The Art and Science of Reinventing Your Career and Life. Uh, He's also the uh, producer and host uh, of the Conscious Pivot podcast, so a fellow podcaster, and uh, he just has an awful lot to uh, add to us uh, here in management and leadership at Manager Mojo. We're going to talk not only about Pivot, but we're going to talk about his thoughts about an upcoming book that he's working on uh, that he's going to entitle The Power of Rituals in Business and Life. Uh, Adam is renowned for helping people really improve both their business and their personal life. Uh, and has, uh, he's one of these guys that I know has a good time with everything that he does. And uh, I'm going to give you a quote of his that I absolutely love. He says, if you wake up in the morning and say to yourself, I love my life, your conditioned mind will unconsciously or consciously Look for evidence to prove that your life is worth loving. Adam, beautiful words, and welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's my pleasure, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts today. Uh, But before we jump off into our topic, why don't you share with our listeners what fun thing that you've been up to lately outside of work? Ah, Steve, that's such a great question. It's all I do is work all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you can't work no. all the time. You have to have oh, some fun. <laughs> well, I'll just take the I'll just take the last weekend as an example. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, this past weekend, in fact, I was on a retreat with about a hundred other people who are in the um, 
want to call it the thought leadership space. I'm not, I'm not real keen on that term, um, but it's, it's people that are wanting to create and or, or have already created transformational businesses, so transformational leadership businesses. And a lot of them are best-selling authors. They're people that do workshops and trainings of others. There's scientists involved. There are people that have transformational products and services that they provide. There's some coaches and mentors and the like. And um, so we spent three days just being able to be ourselves, be in student mode. We were had people come in and, and train and teach us uh, some new topics and things that, that we were curious about. We went out to a horse farm and had a, a beautiful experience where we were learning about about dynamics of team building and leadership as well as communication uh, in a really amazing training out, out at this horse farm. It was things like that. We had there was some wine and some food involved as well. So that's what we that's what I was involved this weekend to uh, you know get out of get out of sort of work 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 mode. <laughs> well, it, it's uh, glad I'm glad you were having fun. It still sounds like a little bit of work involved with a. Uh, I think the wine and uh, kind of helped balance it a little bit. That's a good thing. Uh, so uh, Adam. Uh, I want to talk a little bit today uh, about uh, rituals and habits, but before we do, of course, we need to talk a little bit about uh, your uh, your book, uh, Pivoting, uh, The Pivot, uh, The Art and Science of Reinventing Your Career and Life. Uh, tell us a little bit about your story and, and how you came to really value pivoting uh, so much uh, in what you do. Yeah. Well, my, my story kind of starts out as a, the way many people do. I think I went to school. I was told growing up, if I got good grades, got a good education, I'd get a good job, and, and then things would just proceed well from there. Well, I did all that. I mean, I sort of got decent grades, but I went to college. I did decently well there, too, and came out and started working a series of jobs. And I was a middle school English teacher for a couple of years, and I was a a lifeguard and a waiter and a bartender and all the you know the usual stuff and and actually when I was a school teacher I had three jobs because we know school teachers are never paid nearly enough and I <laughs> I certainly as a beginning teacher wasn't paid very much so uh, all those things led me to have some epiphany one day <laughs> where I said okay uh, my wife and I we met in college and we we just become newly married and we wanted to have a family and I said all right I've got to earn more money. Um, I can't work three jobs and, and be a parent, be a father and a husband as well. So I went back to school, got more education, like so many people you know, opt to do either at the beginning or sort of in the middle of their careers, and I studied law. So I went to law school three years later, having worked my way through law school, um, came out newly minted attorney. That was uh, you know, brand new suit and tie <laughs> and briefcase. <laughs> You know, made my mother-in-law proud. She had a lawyer in the family. I was, you know, doing no. I was, I was doing well, and um, I did that work for 18 years, and woke up in the morning, probably from about the seventh or eighth year on. I just remember it not being. It did not fill my heart with joy to do that work. I did. I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't excited about it. I didn't wake up with excitement. In fact, more often than not, I woke up in the morning, and put my feet on the floor, and the first thoughts of the day. You know, coming right out of sleep, I would just sit at the foot of the bed feeling anxiousness, dread even, anxiety or, or uh, anger about the fact that this was what I had to do uh, all to keep, you know, to keep all the balls in the air, uh, which was 
obviously responsibilities to the family and, and all the things that come along with that, houses, cars, whatnot. And I did that for a long time until I could no longer ignore the pain of it, the, the misery of doing work and, and, and being involved in something I did not, not love. And my true belief was that, that I did not have to continue to do anything that didn't make me feel great just because I was scared of what it would be like to, to change. Uh, and change is, is the essence of my work. Uh, these days, I've, I've been able to, as a result of that book, Pivot, The Art and Science of Reinventing Your Career and Life, which is a book about both personal transformation as well as business and career transformation, I've been able to speak all over the world, run companies in the personal development training space. I've trained, gosh, thousands of people in the area of personal change, reinvention, uh, change management or change utilization in a corporate context, and, and I do keynotes on those topics. And, and really what I, I love is that we never have to settle. And that's the thing I think that, that scares most people is they think, if I'm going to change something, if I want to go for a, a higher paying position in my current uh, you know, company, or I want to change careers or move laterally, or I want to get out of this thing entirely and become an entrepreneur, start my own business, uh, most people feel like the risk in that, that desire, the, the thing that they want, that the risk is so great that if they fail, you know, they'll fall flat on their face. They'll, they'll, you know, there'll be a lot of, of consequences that will be so much more painful than simply staying put or settling for the status quo. And, uh, and I just, my personal belief is that, you know, the status quo only leads to mediocrity and le- mediocrity ultimately, it, 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 it feels awful. And ultimately any kind of form of that stagnation or status quo uh, is is just it's it's like a death sentence and I like a lot of people just got to a point where the pain for me was so great I had to put a stake in the ground and make changes and that's what I wrote a book about what was the process of changing something in my career or my life and ultimately what I learned was that change is the great constant in the universe it's an oxymoron of sorts like a, a paradox that that constant you know change is constant or this constant change and and to to recognize that, to have that awareness is, is like breathtaking because once you realize that, that you'll be changing and the universe will call you to change over and over and over again, you realize that developing these pivots, skills or tools or change uh, utilization tools is something that you've, you, as soon as you get them and you acquire them and you work on them, you're going to use them for, for, for the rest of your life, which is beautiful. It, that is. And thank you so much for sharing your own personal journey uh, to making that pivot in your own career. Uh, I, I find it interesting uh, that so many of us that are managing and leading people, uh, we actually require change of those that work for us. And I mean, we consider ourselves leaders in change in many cases, but yet when it comes to ourselves, uh, a lot of times we wind up putting ourselves right in that box that you described today. Do you see a that lot of executives that do that? Well, I mean, yes, because they're human. So <laughs> we're all, we all put our, really? you know, our pants pa- I thought I was a robot right? when I first started out, Adam. <laughs> I, I don't know about anybody else. I mean, I thought I was, so I, I truly thought I was a robot, that I was supposed mm. to work uh, nonstop and, 
uh, seven days a week and to not really allow any of my personal feelings or whatever to get in the middle of, of, uh, of the way of achieving results. So, uh, you know, maybe others are like me. They were robots. I don't know. Oh, well, <laughs> was awful. Steve, now, I know that. Now it was terrible. <laughs> oh, now, now you're getting deep. Now, now, not just deep, but you're getting real. I mean, I used to, I used to re- walk through the city of New York, and I, I would feel like I was among the walking dead, like people that just had no life in their eyes, wouldn't smile at you, just robotic, just like you said, this, this trance. That this hypnotic rhythm that we get into, and and it's it's really trained in in many ways in the in, in certain business cultures that like you said leave your personality leave, or leave your personal life at the door you know when you walk in and and just do your job keep your head down and make your you know make your make your goals make your KPIs you know that there's there's nothing else that can interfere with that and uh, and it can it can feel robotic at certain times so yes managers executives uh, <laughs> people in senior leadership are no different than people that are just getting started you know the the rank and file we're all the same we all put our our pants on one leg at a time so yeah we get we get into these habitual um, ways of being and then ultimately um, we're wanting to drive innovation in a, in a culture. We're wanting to drive an innovation of cult, uh, culture of innovation, and we want to drive innovation in the business. And yet, we find ourselves uh, holding on, almost white knuckling the steering wheel, so that you you know we just don't make a big mistake. You know that we Absolutely. keep ourselves on the road. A- Absolutely, so it's that, that control that challenge. need to control. Oh, you said it. it it's and it, it is control based, which means it's fear based. And so, yeah, we, we work with a lot of folks in at executive levels, um, whether it's to work with them in sort of mentorship or having them take part in some of our programs that are digital even, um, on how it is that you can release your need to control everything. Because <laughs> it's like, well, how's that working for you in your life, you know? Well, it's, one it's of my... Control freak. <laughs> Adam, I'll tell you one of my favorite uh, robot sayings, and I, and if you, as listener, if you ever hear yourself saying this or someone saying it, you know that you've turned into the robot. It's You can almost hear him saying, when I need your opinion, I'll ask for it. You know, it's one of those things that, uh, okay, yeah, all right, I get it. Uh, you're controlling everything, including what I think. I get it. Uh, it it's, it's one of those tough, tough things uh, about balancing who you are as far as being real and authentic. And I know that you're all about being authentic and expressing yourself uh, in a genuine way. I mean, that's, that's what you do. So you teach a lot of times about that the quality of our lives are equal to the quality of our rituals. And if you don't mind, I'd like for you to tell us a little bit about what does that mean? What, what, what does it mean when you, first of all, I guess, define ritual and uh, then give us an example. Beautiful. Yeah. So, Steve, one last thing I want to say about what you were talking about earlier about the robotics. It, it, sure. Don, sure. It, it came up for me as you were saying that, that this is artificial intelligence. I know we have a specific AI meaning now. We think about what, what robots and, and machines have taken jobs and will continue to absorb jobs uh, in the marketplace. But what you're talking about as a person is thinking that way, like, you know, I'll, when, when I want your opinion, I'll ask for it kind of thing, or these other 
you know, hypnotic rhythms uh, that control the, the way we manage other people even, um, it's artificial intelligence. It's not coming from an, a real authentic place. What we're more authentically capable of and, and what is more, uh, more what we would, would choose to do if we had some greater um, awareness but also greater security, greater trust in ourselves is to collaborate, to ask people for their input, to, to be cultivating that, that type of feedback system so that we can see what we don't see. We can see the, 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 the blind spots better. Um, and that's, that's definitely not, uh, you know, that, that's not the way a lot of people operate. And that's why I think that robotic way is more artificial intelligence. So what we're talking about is moving from that to a place of more authenticity. And that, that concept of moving from uh, this, this way of being that's become habitual to a different way of being is the purpose of rituals. So I define a ritual as a master habit. It's a conscious, consciously created practice, which is different than habits themselves. Habits like I brush my teeth with my left hand. I take this particular route to work when I drive. Um, I wake up in the morning and I do the same sort of things in the first five minutes every day. I have a, a post, you know, evening ritual before I go to sleep. Those are the kinds of things everybody has in their, their habitual. So I, I love the work of Stephen Covey and the seven habits of highly effective people. It's, it's profound. And yet I distinguish a habit as being something that is unconscious versus something that you do consciously to create something new. And those I call master habits and then AKA a ritual. So it's not something as you notice as I'm defining, it's not something religious. And yet, What's common to a ritual is that it's sacred, that we do it at a certain time, typically, that we do it at certain intervals, um, that there's a sequence to it, that type of thing. And so when I say the quality of our life, lives is equal to the quality of our rituals, what I'm saying is that our, our lives are very much a product of our consciousness and our conscious practices, and not just the things that we are reacting to, but rather how it is we respond to the world and how it is that we choose to set ourselves up for success. So to me, rituals have a very important place in business. And in fact, it's interesting because, you know, if this makes sense, that's great. I, I appreciate that. And if you need more, more uh, of an of a efficacy test of what I'm saying, I'll, I'll throw out an acronym, which is HBR, which many of you know is the Harvard Business Review. And Harvard you know, has a great reputation, better than probably my, well, not probably, better than my reputation. Certainly, you'll know them better. <laughs> They came up with a study that was really amazing. They were uh, looking at the difference between high-performance athletes, and I'm talking about people and, com and, and teams that have won you know, world championships, have won the World Cup, have won the gold medal in the Olympics, in, whether it's skating or in some other area. They've looked at the best golfers in the world, the best tennis players, and they compared them to business executives. And what they found was strikingly, I mean, it was an incredible um, correlation between the success in the one category of athletes and the success in the other category of executives. And that was their ability to recover. So with athletes, they saw that the, the best performing uh, were able to recover much faster than the next best performing. So whether it was between tennis points and measuring their biorhythms, their heart rate, all of those kinds of things, they could see that they could get to a resting state. They could get to a place they called recovery 
in between games or in between points much quick, more quickly. And, and with those executives, it was the same thing. It was their recovery time, the way that they were able to bounce back, the speed that they could bounce back from setbacks, which we know in business, in life, in entrepreneurial pursuits, <laughs> you're going to face a setback like every day or, or more, more than one a day. Right? So your ability to bounce back to be what I call resilient, that's the term that we use for that, that we've got to have rituals to recover. We've got to have rituals to become more resilient because when they looked at the, in the study at these, at these executives, they weren't playing a game for two hours or playing for a season that was three months long. You know, these executives, people in business are at it all the time, sometimes seven days a week even. There's almost no boundary. So our ability to be more resilient and able to recover that much more quickly is even more important now and in a world that's so disruptive and every day the pace of the disruption of the change is so much greater it's exponentially greater this is a it's like a life skill but it's it's a it's a skill that to me is as important as anything i can think of to create greater success in business and that's why i'm writing a book about rituals rituals that are that assist us to be more resilient to be able to recover and rituals that help us to create greater results in, in our business and our personal lives. So if, if you're interested at some point, if we've got the time, I can even share to me the most important ritual, but there are numerous rituals that I in, engage in during a day, but I'm happy to share that if you'd like at some point. Absolutely. Why don't, why don't you share with us what you consider to be the most important ritual? I think that'd be helpful to all of us. Beautiful. Well, I, it's the waking ritual. So <laughs> the most important ritual is what you do. I like that one if I wake up. Wake up. I'm good. Hey, <laughs> I'm still here. Hey, Doug, you're, you're, you're already like three pages ahead on the script, man. Because <laughs> that's exactly what I say to people is that there is no guarantee, right? So everybody who's listening to this right now, regardless of whether you're, you're loving your life or not, or you're feeling challenged or things are going great, whatever it is, you can acknowledge as you're listening to this, and I hope that you will take a deep breath and acknowledge and, and be in gratitude for this right now, what I'm about to say. You woke up today. When you woke up today and you took your first deep breath, whether you knew it or not, there were people who were taking their very last breath in that moment. So that, that was a profound blessing, a gift. It's, all, it's really holy. It's sacred even. And again, I don't mean anything religious, but it, it's a spiritual experience for me to wake up because I realize, yes, I am waking up and not everybody has been given that gift to wake up today. So in that moment where I'm taking that breath and have that awareness, I am grateful. So I start my day with the same three steps every single day. I wake up. That's good, man. The day that I don't wake up, we know is not a good day, right? <laughs> and, it, and it won't be for anybody else. So we wake up, I wake up and then I'm in, in gratitude. And I sometimes lay in the bed for 10 seconds and sometimes it's three minutes. It depends. But I just catalog for myself in the moment. I take an inventory in my body of what I'm grateful for. You know, I'm wiggling my toes. I'm, I'm grateful I can wiggle my toes. My knee stopped hurting because I banged it up playing, playing ball last week. You know, I'm grateful my knee's not hurting. Oh, wow, my kids just crossed my mind. We have four kids. I think about my kids. I'm going, oh, my goodness. How lucky is that? I got four kids. They're healthy. You know, and I go through that inventory for a few moments, and I realize how grateful I am 
right there and then as I'm breathing to be alive. And the third piece of it is that I say out loud these words that you, you mentioned at the very outset of the show. I say out loud, I love my life. I love my life. I love my life. I have started to say, I started to say that about 10 years ago. Shortly after, I used to wake up in the morning and, and have that awareness of my angst and my anxiety and my just discontent about got to do this thing today. Got to, you know, got this job, got this thing that I don't love. And, and I feel like, you know, garbage about it. And that was a one way of waking up in the morning, starting out that way. I mean, a lot of people today, how do they wake up? They wake up to an alarm clock. I do too, you know. My wife's alarm clock's not mine, but in any event, wake up to that. <laughs> and then, then they look at their phone and they start checking emails. <laughs> There's probably a huge percentage, more than 80% of the people listening to this, the first thing they do when they wake up is they pick up their phone. And they're either looking at social media, they're looking at a text message, they're looking at email, and that's how they're feeding the, the soil, the fertile soil of their mind coming out of sleep, coming out of their subconscious state. The first things they're planting in the soil are the, these same old things, these habitual ways of, of thinking and being, which produce the same you know, sort of results during the day. It's that hit. They're starting the hypnosis, the self-hypnosis, the moment they wake up. So I just broke that. I, I said my new ritual is I don't touch the phone. I actually don't really touch the phone for about the first half hour of the morning. I know it's, you know, that's a, a luxury, I guess, to be able to do that, but I don't. Um, and if I do happen to glance at the phone, I certainly am not on email and I'm not on social media. Um, and, and then I put my feet on the floor. That's a blessing all by itself. Not everybody can do that. I stand up and I declare out loud, I love my life. And, and when I started to say it, people used to say to me, Adam, I mean, do you really, when you began this process, this new habit, this master habit, did you, was that true? Because how did that get to be true? I don't know if I love my life. I love parts of my life. I don't love my life, you know? I'm like, well, it wasn't true at the beginning. I wanted it to be true. And I was willing to work at it being true, which is where that quote comes from. Because when you, when you declare that out loud, when you set that as an intention, the way our mind and our brain is wired, we are wired for, for a couple of things, mostly to, to keep us safe. That's the, the function of our medulla, and it's, it's to make sure we're safe. And the way we stay safe is that we're right. So we're striving all the time, and all, almost everything we do, we strive to be right because that's what creates safety. If we're wrong, we die. <laughs> that's the way the brain like, views that. So we've got to be right. And when you declare something like, I love my life, or any other declaration that you might make as part of a new ritual, right, your mind goes out of its way to find ways and means to prove that you are right because it's how it's, it's wired. So I just leverage the way my brain naturally works. I don't want to work against it. I want to use it, but I want to use it for a higher purpose. And that's how that ritual came to be. Well, I think it's an awesome ritual and uh, certainly one that all of us can learn from. Uh, I, I hope our listeners are not waking up and grabbing that cell phone first thing. But I, I know, like you, I know most people do. And uh, it, it's the quickest way to depression I know of is to grab that thing first thing after you've awakened in the morning. Uh, I, I think you have to stay away from it for a while. And I appreciate you sharing your, your story. You know, the, the thing that impressed me about what you were saying, though, Adam, is that uh, what, what you've learned, in my opinion, is that uh, that ability to be genuine to yourself, which makes you authentic and a person that other people are going to be able to connect with. 
And I think that's so important, especially if we're trying to build trust with our team and uh, with our within our company. Yeah, I think from a sales and marketing standpoint, let's put it this way: your authenticity is what people are buying. They Absolutely. are buying who, yeah, they are buying who you are much more than what it is that you do. There's no question about it, and and I think I I really appreciate you saying that. It'll help all of us. Uh, I know we don't have a ton of time today, and but I know people are going to want to know more about your great work and your books. Uh, Adam, how don't you, why don't you share how they can connect with you and learn more about what you do? Thank you. Yeah, Steve, they can, if they're interested in the subject matter that, that I've been sharing, they can check out our podcast. If you say we're both podcasters, love that. They can go to adammarkell.com, Adam, and then Markell. So it's A-D-A-M, and then M-A-R-K-E-L all together. So there's two M's in the middle. Um, and forward slash podcast. So Adam Markell dot com forward slash podcast and if they'd love to find out um, where they are in the process of change of the pivots that are happening all around them and in their own lives as well we have a free kickstart guide that people just just got somebody on our facebook page the other day that told us this was one of the most impactful um, tools that he's found it six questions and it's entirely free it's nothing to sell they can go to start my pivot go to startmypivot.com and they'll get a free guide a downloadable kickstart guide with six questions and all they have to do is really answer them for themselves honestly we don't have access to the information they put in there so it's not something that they're sharing with us it's very private uh, and, and it really is impactful so startmypivot.com is where they can access that kick that free guide well, uh, thank you very much for sharing that, Adam. And uh, for those of you that are exercising right now, we'll be sure to uh, include links to both of those websites that Adam has mentioned to make it easy uh, for you to go and learn more about his great work. So, a Adam, in closing today, I always like to give our listeners uh, a, a key action item that would really make a difference in their life. And I'm curious, what would be the number one action item that you would recommend people take from our discussion today? Well, I, I would, at the risk of being redundant, I'm going to be redundant because it is so important that they create a, a, a habit for themselves, but it's a conscious habit. So if they want to call it a ritual as I do or master habit, feel free to. A habit for how it is they wake up. What is it that they're doing in those first five, ten minutes of the day? Um, I sit in meditation for a few minutes in the morning. I also read something that's inspirational to me in the morning. That's a part of that morning routine, my morning ritual. I, we prepare a green drink, my wife and I, so we put something healthy into our body. I want to move my body early. I don't necessarily have to go out for a 20-mile run to do that. Even a 10-minute walk is great or, you know, something along those lines. So what's that morning routine, that morning ritual? And, and that would be my call to action to the folks that are listening to this is create a ritual for yourself upon waking and then keep to that ritual and, and preserve it. Because as you said earlier, this is really all about caring for yourself. This is truly how you change other people's lives for the better in whether it's as a entrepreneur or the better that in your own life. And, and that's really the key. Take care of yourself. Be more resilient. Create these things for you. And then you get to be a gift to other people by modeling it in the world. Adam, that's a beautiful statement. And uh, your words today have been a gift to all of us. And for those of us at Manager Mojo, we wish you continued success in all you do. 
Our guest today has been Adam Markell. He's the author of Pivot, the Art and Science of Reinventing Your Career in Life. Uh, thank you, my friend, for being on today. And uh, great luck to you in your new and upcoming book. We'll be looking for that. And uh, thanks again for sharing. Thank you, Steve.